Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages, you'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. Here we are back in the studio again. How are you, Lucy? Yeah, I'm pretty good today, actually. Yeah, excited about podcast number two. Yes, very excited. We're here in our little studio in the Sunshine Coast with... With our mate Alan, the sound guy. How are you doing, Alan? Oh, oh, he's in a good mood. Oh, Alan's sounding very aggressive today. <laughs> we better do a good recording, Lucy, otherwise yeah. we might be in trouble. Yeah, here. no farting. No farting and no coughing and, and spluttering. No. Yeah, so good week? Yeah, I've had a good week, actually. I was just looking at my little app to see how many days I haven't drunk for. And um, I haven't had a drink for... Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. 208 days. Gosh, that's amazing, Lucy. Well done. Go on, I tell us know. how long you've gone. Come on, show off. This is your moment. I won't show you mine. I don't want to make you feel sad. No, go on, tell us. This is what you always do to me. As soon as I tell you how well I'm doing, not drinking, you, you belittle my oh, proud okay, number. Yes. Come on. Um, my number is probably about 1,200 days, Lucy. Oh, probably. So, yeah. Don't even bother mm. counting it day to day. I'm counting it's the seconds so to be <laughs> as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had a good week apart from my horrible dentist appointment yesterday at 2.30, would you believe? Like the worst time to go to the dentist. <laughs> and it was 2.30, wasn't it? It was, it, it was you? actually at 2.30. And I've got, I've got terrible gum problems at the moment because uh, I think it's years of doing tequila shots and then puking them up. I think 26 years of heavy binge drinking has, yeah. has affected my gum health, actually. Yeah, and so. also knocking the tequila glass on your front teeth yeah. when you when no, you I go used to get take... a burn. Did you ever do yes, flaming yes, sambucas? Yeah. I used to wake up on a Sunday mm. morning with a circular burn in yeah. the middle of my hand where I'd 
lit a drink and then stuck it onto my palm of my hand. I don't know why I was doing that. One didn't feel the pain. Didn't feel the pain. Didn't feel the pain at the time. <laughs> the blister the next day wasn't great. And to, talking of going out and drinking, um, it's interesting this podcast because you picked the topic for this podcast, but it's perfectly time for me, Vic, because I've got a social event on um, Saturday night. Uh, the dreaded yeah, sober social yeah. event. Yeah, and it's a very close friend's big birthday, big number birthday. Yeah. And so I'm definitely going to go. I wouldn't let her down. But um, I have got those feelings of, I don't want to leave the house. How am yeah. I going to do this? So I'm kind of looking for some tips from you um, in this podcast myself. So hopefully while you're offering me tips, we can offer them to other people who are listening in as well. So what are we going to talk about? Well, today we're talking about that awkward moment when you tell the world you don't drink anymore. So yeah, I mean, I would, yeah. I could say to you like never go out again. I mean, that would obviously be a an option, and that obviously feels like an option when you first give up drinking because you can't imagine socialising without alcohol. Yeah, but you, I'm actually sort of like just over two hundred days in, and I am still worried about a night out. Yeah. How do you feel about a night out and telling people that you don't drink um, after over a thousand days? I feel good about it now. It's actually the one thing I look forward to because I'm so confident in my sobriety now that they're the moments that I feel most proud of myself, that I'm able to interact with people and and have a good time still and, you know, get the last bus home without, you know, falling in a gutter. Mm. So they've gone from being the things I hated to actually being the things that I love. I love being being sober and being able to interact with people in a way that I remember. I mean, that's that's a miracle. I haven't yeah. remembered a night out for a long time. So there are massive benefits to going out sober. And I think we're going to cover a few of those. And yeah. of course, the downfalls of them, the awkward bits that, that me and Lucy love to talk about. Yes, which we're going to talk about today. So um, as Vic said, the topic today is that awkward moment when you tell the world that you don't drink anymore. And so that's about sort of announcing it to close friends and loved ones I've given up drink and also about being in a social situation and having to say, I actually don't drink or no thank you to that glass of wine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's get going, shall we? And yeah, let's get this yeah, party, okay. alcohol-free party, of course, yeah. started. Um, so for some people, this is one of the hardest and most awkward post-drinking situations. You know you're making the right decision to stop drinking for yourself, but others might find the new you a little confronting. Admitting that you have a problem with alcohol is a very personal journey and sometimes even your closest mates might not know you've been struggling. The stark reality is that it is so bloody difficult to tell people the mind-blowing fact that you've chosen to no longer poison yourself on a regular basis. In fact, it's so difficult that many people choose to just keep drinking. Lucy and I believe Getting a cold reaction from friends or your partner and feeling left out after sobriety is a huge reason people relapse. Modern day drinking culture makes us sober people feel totally awkward when in fact we're the ones making the healthy decision. So how can we push through and how long does it take before we're comfortable in drinking environments? And can friendships and relationships last when there is this oh so obvious social divide? What we want you to take away from our podcast today is to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. It might take many attempts and lots of fake smiles, but having a great social life is possible without alcohol. And even though there may be some uncomfortable conversations en route, you will pop out the other side of the pub feeling like you've achieved 
something huge. Then you can drive home with a big grin on your smug, sober face. I mean, that's one thing for me, Lucy. I'm always desperate to get stopped by the police now on the way home. <laughs> yeah, I'm me like, too. please <laughs> breathalyze me. Look what a functional citizen of the world I am driving home at 10 p.m. on a Friday night with the wind blowing in my smug, sober hair. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a policeman to say, well done, you're, you're a very functional citizen of the world. Well done, Victoria. But unfortunately, that hasn't happened yet. I might cruise the streets later tonight. Yeah, see if you can make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Especially bank holiday weekends are good times, aren't they? To yeah. get out and get get. Over. Um, look, first of all, we're going to start today's chat about t- about those big announcements we make to friends and family to say that we've made this big decision in our life, and that's to stop drinking. And it's been very different for both of us, which is great, really, because we can share our experiences and um, show that how different it is when you do explain that to people. So, can you you do you want to first of all go through and, and tell us about what it was like for you when you told close friends and family that you'd given up the booze? Well, the, I think I mentioned last week, the first person I told, obviously, that I was getting help was my husband. And that was great because he was just happy about it because he was the one that had to see me, you know, really hung over and mm-hmm. feeling anxiety. And he was just really, really supportive. And from that moment on, I actually didn't tell anybody for 18 months. I was very, very nervous about telling anybody that the fact that I'd given up drinking because I think the word sobriety can often, you know, it relates to the word alcoholic and admitting to having a problem means I was going to feel very, very judged. So actually I kept it a secret. I kept my therapy a secret from everybody apart from my husband until I was comfortable to to tell everybody. I think the other problem was as well for me why I was so scared of telling everybody was that I I just felt that I didn't want to let anybody down. I told people I was giving up drinking before and I tried and tried moderation and everything and failed. And this time I didn't want to fail and I didn't want to tell, make this big you know, announcement and then not do as well as I'd hoped. So actually I did tell people after 18 months and that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do in my sobriety. Um, Can I just interrupt yeah. and say 18 months is a really, really long time. Yeah. A year and a half of not telling anybody other yeah. than your husband is massive. It was massive. And also I did socialise during that period. And, and sometimes I sat with a beer, which I know sounds ridiculous, but I just wasn't ready. I sat and I held a beer. I didn't sip on it. I just held on to it because I just couldn't be bothered with the questions. For me, my sobriety journey was so personal. It was just about me, my husband and my children. And I just didn't feel confident to tell anybody about it. But I knew the time would come. And eventually, I mean, I didn't know there was a community out there. I, I think the problem was actually, Lucy, thinking about it now, was that I didn't realise there were people like me. I thought that I was a, a little bit of a binge drinker that perhaps needed help to slow down. I didn't realise that I fitted somewhere on that alcohol spectrum at that point. So I didn't feel it necessary to tell anybody then. And I didn't want people to think that I was passed out in a gutter with a you know a newborn baby crawling over me. I just didn't want people to make the wrong assumptions of me. So, yeah, eventually it, it came to the point where people started to notice. I mean, I had a baby in that time, I think. Yeah, like, so I was, was going to say, months. were you pregnant for yeah. some of that? Because that would have that helped. That uh, definitely helped and breastfeeding. <laughs> I mean, I had all the excuses at hand even when I didn't have children. I was like, you know, I'm driving, I'm on antibiotics. I had all those excuses at hand. But 
I never had to use them because I actually stayed home quite a lot. But when I did go out, I just I just held a beer and pretended that I was still drinking, which isn't the right thing to do. But it it worked for me at the time because I wasn't ready to tell anybody. But eventually, as as I grew more confident in my sobriety, I plucked up the courage to tell friends and family. And that isn't an easy thing to do. But the response that I got, rather than feeling judged, was just that everybody was pleased. Because I mean, I think they're probably a bit fed up of me being wasted at every family social event in the last twenty-five years. So I think a lot of them were were quite relieved, and everybody was very supportive. It was a massive shock to me that people loved me for me rather than for me being an, a pisshead. Yeah, I God, yes, so much. I agree totally with that. You think you don't think people are going to like you anymore? Well, no, exactly, and that is ridiculous because if people don't like you, well, that's their own issue, and you don't want mates like that anyway, do you? You don't want mates that, exactly. that are going to judge you. I know that people find it hard because you're not going to be the same person that you used to be. You're not going to be at the, you know, you're not going to be at the Seven Eleven buying crisps at two o'clock in the morning. You're not going to be that same person that they want to hang out with. So that is hard for people. But to be honest, they'll get over it. Yeah. And you're doing what's right for you. So you just have to go with it and you have to keep going out and, and keep keep seeing people and you have to tell people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, I mean, for me, it was really quite different. And I think that's probably because of our own personal situation. So you're in a marriage with three young kids and I'm um, uh, I'm single with two teenage daughters, uh, one of whom I have full time and the other one I have week on week off. So I spend a lot more time on my own. Um, so when it came to giving up, I needed to be accountable to people. Um, because I was my my drinking habit had become very much sitting at home on my own and drinking, and it was so easy to fall back into that. Yeah, and that's why you, I suppose you get away with it for a long time is because there's do. no one there to yes. see what state you're in or to to judge you. I totally, guess totally. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was you know you're just sitting there drinking and you, you're judging yourself for it, but nobody else is there looking in, and it's quite um, it's quite a sinister way of yeah. drinking almost. So when I came to giving up, I was quite different to you, Vic. I I did now it to the world and I was a lot more open about it and I I just felt that I had to be because I needed to say to people uh I'm giving up drinking and I didn't want to fail in anyone's eyes yeah and really (laughs) people were suspiciously supportive oh yeah (laughs) like you say smiling in your face and then (laughs) Gibbering to their mate in a corner like this is never ever going to yeah. last. Yeah, le- or yeah, either saying that or saying to their mate, "Oh, it's about bloody time. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps we can take her out for dinner one yeah. night without her making a total tit of us all." Yeah, because I suppose it gets to a point with drinking where sometimes you become a liability. I mean, I'd always did. Oh, I always, always had people looking after me, throwing mm. me in taxis, and holding my ponytail while I vomited in a toilet. You can be, you can ruin other people's nights out as yeah. well. Oh, I yeah. was totally doing that, and yeah, I think that. The fact that so many people are supportive, yeah, it almost makes relieved. me go red yeah. even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Just cringe with embarrassment. The fact that even the heavy drink of friends that I have <laughs> are thinking, God, thank God yeah. she stopped. <laughs> uh, but the plus side of that is that they were all super supportive. And again, so surprised. Yeah. Like I, I would put it that I was amazed that people actually liked me sober. Yeah. And I still am amazed that people want to catch up with me when they know I'm not going to have a drink. I still can't get over the fact that people like me. I think that's one of the most interesting things you've come up with there, really, because the whole fear some for some people is that giving up drinking is going to make you not loved by your friends and family anymore or not 
they're going to think you're not fun anymore. But what we're both saying here is in, in both our, our experiences is that it's actually the opposite. Totally, Pe- yeah. People are really embrace your sobriety. And for me, I find people find it intriguing. They want to know, mm. oh, so you've given up drinking. And, and actually, so many people are questioning their drinking that actually they... They want to know what you did rather than to judge you, which is a love. It's a lovely surprise. About it is. It's a, re- yeah. it's a really lovely surprise. And I have to say there's not one friend who hasn't been there um, and supported me through this. Not one, um, which I'm just amazed at. I never would have believed it. And to say that is actually, of course, if someone isn't supportive of you, I mean, saying that you've got, a, you know, you're giving up drinking you know, it means you had a drink problem, really. Exactly right. People yeah. don't just give up drinking because they just don't like it anymore. Generally, you're giving up for a reason. And I think people generally nowadays respect your reasons why rather than judging them, which is fantastic. And you are. And I agree with you, Vic, when you say that when you tell people that you're giving up drinking, you're also having to admit if you, people were to read in between the lines, which is really easy, that you've got a problem. Mm. And that is why it's so hard to do it, because you're saying to people I've got a problem with alcohol and it's a bit embarrassing because a lot of people don't and it's like why couldn't I handle it what's wrong with me am I weak am I greedy what is it why have I got this problem I'm weak and greedy yeah (laughs) (laughs) I I will admit that I'm weak where's the chocolate you pass chocolate um no but that that is one of the things isn't it having to explain that you're not drinking means that you're saying I've got a problem and that's where that's what all the heaviness around it is and I would just like to mention before we move on my dad Mm. because my dad is one of my best friends in all the world. And although I've lived in Australia for 12 years, he's in the UK and I speak to him every 48 hours on Skype religiously. Um, and we talk for somewhere between half an hour to an hour each time. We get on really well and he's 86. Um, but yeah, he didn't realise how bad my drinking was. And I chose to tell him that I was giving up. And that was a really upsetting thing for him. He mm. was really distraught he just said I just didn't know I didn't know it was that bad but telling him was a huge part of me sticking to it yeah and now he'll say to me because he's in the UK where it's really miserable they're all yeah. really, well they've just come out of lockdown you know, he's, he can't really go out he, he's feeling down and he says to me cheer me up Lucy tell me how many days it's been oh how lovely <laughs> what a sweet man can I call him up of course of course you can I think he would talk to anyone at the moment oh, yeah. Fair <laughs> he's <enough>. so bored <laughs> um, um, it's funny because I'm from a big drinking family so that was why I was scared about telling everybody as well because I f- you feel like you're letting people down in that do. situation mm. it sounds ridiculous because you know it's alcohol and we all know that alcohol is bad for you but yet by giving it up for some reason you feel like you're letting people down and that's why it's hard yeah and it was hard for my family at first but you know they're very accepting of it now and they, and they see that I'm happier and that's really really the reason that people support you is because they see you're happier you're brighter your eyes are brighter and you just look more content yeah. Totally. So what, you can't argue with that. No. You can't argue with contentment. No. Although, as we find out later, people do. <laughs> yes, we're going to go on to yeah. that. So, you know, so I think we've given a really good feeling, put a really good feeling out there around telling people because we both had good experiences, even though we were expecting the worst. Yeah. Not to say everybody will have good experiences. I mean, it wasn't easy telling people at all. It was no. desperately hard. But the end result was that people were fine with it. The world didn't fall apart. You yeah. know, we were still left to live another day and a much healthier day. But so 
There are options if you don't want to tell people that you've given up drinking, but they are a bit extreme. What would you say are those options, um, Vic, to not telling people? Well, I think one of them is to stay in forever. I mean, that's what I did for a bit. Um, And I regret that, to be honest. I don't, I'm not happy that I became a a hermit living inside my wardrobe Mm. for 18 months. (laughs) I I should have gone out, but I didn't. um, And I, I wasn't ready to face the world, the non-drinking world, because it was so ingrained in every pore of my body. So I do regret that. And I did hide and, you know, I became a recluse um, and and didn't go out. So I do, I do, that is a shame that I did that. So that is not an option, I would say. Mm. I mean, you can do it for a bit, but there's going to be the time that comes when you're going to have to go out. There's going to, that notification will pop up on your Facebook page where it's someone you love's birthday and, and you've got to go. Yeah. Like me this weekend, you yeah. know, there's no way that I'm cancelling on a good friend just because I can't face up to the fact that I've made a really healthy life choice. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be other people there who aren't drinking. And I bet you they have some really tasty soda water in that restaurant. But also it's so funny, like how we're living for those really short lived moments in those social situations. Like I used to drink because I thought, yeah, I'm going to have a really good prolonged night, but I wouldn't remember most of my night. So the things that I was looking forward to to drink, to drinking and to going out and being social and things, that actually wasn't a reality for me. When I was going out drinking, I probably had a few glasses of wine at home. Then I was probably already on the way to a blackout. And by the time I was having fun, like my night was in oblivion. Mm. Like I couldn't remember anything. I don't think I was really having fun. I mean, how can you have fun if you're not remembering it? I mean, I just, it it wasn't compatible to to what I am now. I mean, it's a completely different person. It's a myth. It's a total (laughs) myth. So like me thinking, oh, I'm going to go out and have a fun night. It was actually me going out and not remembering anything. Mm. So I think that's when you become sober, you go out and you realise that you see that you you can have fun and you can interact with people um, and that doing things you used to do drunk you can do sober Mm. and it's actually okay. And the more that you go out and do that and tell people that you're not drinking, the the more of those events you get under the under your belt. I f- feel like it's a bit of training. It's like if, yeah. I, can, if yeah. I can do this one this weekend, that's yeah. another one done. That's going to make it easier. Yeah. So, yes, there is an option of not telling people and never leaving the house. And there's also an yeah. option of not telling people and carrying on drinking. And neither of those are really um, conducive to living a healthy no. life, which is what you're doing it for in the first place. So, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna give up, then try and be as honest as you can with people, and try and get out of the house. We're not saying go to nightclubs every yeah. weekend, but try and get out to some um, events where you do get the opportunity to tell people that you don't drink. I think things like going to festivals. I mean, that's a really good topic. Um, festivals for me was always about getting totally wasted for three days and rolling around in some mud with a stranger. I mean, those things don't happen when you're sober anymore. And it's just about exchanging that life for another life, a a sort of more content life, as we talked about earlier. Um, And it's just a process of learning. It's almost like a sober boot camp. You need to start off slow, go to a local bar, perhaps, you know, if you're you're happy to be surrounded by, by alcohol, then work your way up to a festival, you know, just keep going, feel the awkward and do it anyway. That's mine and Lucy's motto here is like, Keep going, keep repeating your your social events, keep going and it will get easier. I might just refer back to an event when, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, an event when 
I think I went to one of your very first sober events, Vic, um, mm. that you had put on on your Facebook group. And we were meeting up at an Indian restaurant down a really busy nightlife street. And we were meant to be meeting outside the restaurant, but I had only just given up drinking a couple of weeks earlier. And the plan was to meet outside the front of the restaurant, but I couldn't get out of the car. Yeah. I was just in the car and you phoned and you said, where are you? And I said, I'm still in the car. I can't get out because I was just surrounded by bars and people drinking. And you said, right, I'm over here. I can see your car. Get get out. Come over. And then you marched me into a bar. <laughs> Sergeant Major. And shouted out to the bartender, do you have any mocktails? <laughs> We are ladies that don't drink. <laughs> yes, and it was all so I was very lucky to have you. But you know, I was cowering in the car thinking, I can't get out. Everyone yeah. around me is drinking. I don't know how to handle this situation. And that's okay, because that was one of your first ever mm. nights out not drinking. That was huge. That's a massive thing. Yeah. And, and it was that, a great night And you did it and we had a lovely time. And then the next time it was easier. There's a perfect totally, example. Yeah. It yeah. does get easier. So it's like a training. The more it you is. do it, the easier it will become. So don't stay in your house for 18 months like Victor. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at the walls. <laughs> Yeah. Get out there and um, and 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 we're going to help you next because we're going to talk about um, what it's like when you're actually out in a bar with your mates and you have to tell people um, that you don't drink and sometimes it's even harder when you're you're in that situation where everyone around you is drinking. Yeah, it's really hard because you need to have you need to be prepared. Really, is what I was going to say. You need to have some one-liners ready for those people that find your drinking hard. Or not drinking hard. But isn't that crazy? Can I just add in, isn't that mad? You know, say, for example, you go out and you're enjoying a cheese platter and there's all these different cheeses on there. And, for example, there's a brie and and you say, oh, I don't want any of that brie. I'll be like, what's wrong with you? Yes, exactly. You're not questioning. Get the brie down your neck. Yes, you don't have to have a one-liner ready to explain yourself about the reason that you don't like brie cheese. But when it comes to alcohol... Everybody wants a proper answer. Yes. Um, and if you don't give them the right answer, they will go on at you and give you a little bit of a hard time. Yeah. So can you give us some one-liners? Because you're probably a bit better at them than I am, and I'm looking Ooh. for advice. Well, I think <laughs> I used to say, as I said before, like, you know, I'm driving. I used to make excuses. Yeah. I used to say I'm driving or I've got, I'm on antibiotics. I've got an upset tummy. I was pregnant a lot for, you know, three babies. So that's the perfect excuse. Mm. I mean, that was one of the reasons I gave up drinking in the first place is because I'd enjoyed having that pregnancy excuse to say no. And that sort of opened my eyes into this little window of sobriety that I had for nine months. And, you know, that, that really is what made me look at sobriety because I knew I was able to do it. Um, So having excuses is good, but after a while, the more happy you become and the more used to going out you are, you learn different ways of dealing with these people. And also you learn that the people that are questioning you are perhaps not the sort of people you want around. Yeah. So, I mean, you can have the quick one-liners, like my one that I have prepared nowadays is very different to the one I had when I was at your stage of drinking or giving up drinking, Lucy, because then I'd be like trying to make excuses mm. and be like, oh, yeah, I've given up drinking and da, 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 and I'll just kind of ramble on and, and, and try and explain to somebody why. But now I have a very simple two word answer to those people. Mm, what is it? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a brave lady. Yeah, well, I mean, come on, don't question me. It's none of your business. 
your drinking and my drinking or not drinking is nobody else's business. And I think that's something you learn in your sobriety is that if somebody is questioning you, they probably have their own problem. I mean, people are intrigued sometimes and that's nice. Like, yes. If they're asking you the right questions like, oh, how long have you done this for and why? And they're being polite about it instead of going, go on, one won't hurt or mm. come on, get one down your neck. I mean, I used to, you know, make people drink when as we talked about you know make people drink when they were ill I was terrible I was that terrible person so now I have completely changed into the opposite whereas I I have you know you've got to be prepared for those things and I I'm definitely prepared for that <laughs> oh, no, what about you Lucy what do you say now yeah yeah I'm still at the uh, haven't quite ripped off the band-aid stage yes um, where I do make excuses look I'm sort of wavering in between not leaving leaving the house and making sure that I do go to the events that matter usually when I go along people know that I don't drink um, it's usually with friends who already know so it doesn't come up. I rarely go out like I am this Saturday where there's going to be people there who I don't know. And already I'm going over it too much in my head. Um, are they going to be drinkers? Are they not? I have no idea. So, of course, I'm overthinking it all. I think that my 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 one-liner will simply be that I don't drink. If I get questioned on it, what I have done in the past is I've said, I'll put it another way, I'm sober. And when you say that to people... That's a bit loaded. That's like, if you say I'm sober, it means you've got a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. And they tend to shut up, yeah. I find. Yeah. Um, but also I have said things, you know, I said I, 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 when I drink, I behave like a slut. Yeah. And that shuts people up. It's the honest truth and yeah. I don't want to do it. I think it's good coming coming with an answer to them is, is something that they can't answer back to. Exactly right. So I used yes. to say, I remember saying one point that drinking makes me mentally ill. Which it did. It made yeah. me cause caused me to have huge anxiety. Yeah. It made me depressed. And actually, if you say, you know, they usually look at you. I used to make like a crazy face when I said it, so I looked actually <laughs> insane. Go on, do the face. Yeah. Do it. That's just my normal face. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So they'd probably run off in the other direction, think they're dealing with a psychopath or something. That's but one way to get. Them that not is to a good way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> But but what I find is even once you've said that one liner that you've got prepared and you you pack it out there, put it out there and you say to people, you know, I'm sober or I'm crazy and whatever, I don't drink. Some people still come back and say some really ridiculous things. Why don't you drink is one of them. Yeah. Why don't you drink? Or I wish I'd known you when you were a drinker. That was the one I had quite recently um, and I thought, you're saying that because you wanted somebody to laugh at. Yes, you wanted to be entertained. You wanted to be entertained. So it would have been entertaining for that person. So that's quite a selfish comment, I reckon, from other people. Yeah. I wish I'd known you were a drinker. Yes, you do, because I would have been the one rolling around on the dance floor with my knickers on inside out. Yes, and so you would have made that, them look better. Yes, and that would have been fun for them. And they would have had a story about me the next day. So, yes, they probably wish they did know me as a drinker. And that's a one-liner that I hear from people, especially men, when I tell them that I'm a slut when I drink. They say, I wish I'd known you when you were a drinker. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. Well, you probably, yeah, even though matter, we were talking about this, weren't we, before about how our, what would you call it, our level of man got, oh, yeah, deteriorated. <laughs> I mean, that's big The more goggles. drinks we have. The more drinks you have. So the standards 
would drop dramatically with each glass of wine for me. <laughs> like before I was married, of course. So I'd go out, you know, sober. Not I was, We were saying like nowadays, I don't very often see someone and think, oh, oh my yeah. God, I really fancy him. Like he's gorgeous. Other apart than, from, other than your apart from Alan, the sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> the only man in this room with us right now, of course. <laughs> We've got to keep him happy yeah, so we can keep happy, using yeah. his studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sexy Alan. Sexy Alan, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's another thing is that, our, you know, drinking does impair your, your, uh, your, what would you call your it? Your ability to pull decent men yeah. or, or men that you're attracted to. Because I used to think, God, you know, nowadays I don't see anyone attractive. But when I was out and I was drinking, I was, oh, everybody God, had, yeah. a, had a, you know, a good point. Even if they had a nice nose, I was like, right, you'd focus coming home with me, it, mate. Yeah. Totally, yeah. No wonder people prefer us to drink. Yeah. Um, but the other, the other one that um, I, I'm, I'm worried about, I've never heard, is someone told me that I am boring. Oh yeah, that's a big one. And in fact, there's a whole other podcast topic in that word, isn't there? Yeah, I think the word boring comes up a lot for us, doesn't it? Are we boring? Is that a myth? I mean, who is boring? What is boring? Mm. I don't know, Lucy, because I I get that all the time. Isn't it boring that you don't drink? Well, I don't know. Is it not boring like me vomiting in the same pub toilet for the you know the last 25 years yeah that got boring yeah so you're telling me I'm boring now well that for me was bloody boring I can tell you yeah and not and also um when you're drinking you're so boring because you keep saying the same thing over and over over slurring and spitting over people I mean that's boring yeah that's right Um, I haven't been told it but I often worry that people will think I'm boring if I'm in a bar and I'm not drinking and you know out on Saturday night I'm going to be with a group of ladies celebrating what if I'm the only one not drinking will I be seen as boring I don't know I don't know how people feel but it's a worry I worry about being seen as boring I think you're boring for other reasons thanks (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much okay right that's it I'm not going out on Saturday night I'm going to become a recluse just like you were for 18 months but I think people won't think you're boring and if they Mm. do again we're coming back to that same thing which is actually why do other people's opinions matter? Exactly. Like they yeah. shouldn't. You can you can use my little quote there, the F word there, Lucy. Okay, I'll remember that. Yeah. Remember, it's an easy I, one. I expect I'll make lots of new friends <laughs> with that one. You um, can put it on a little tape player, like one of those dictaphones, <laughs> and just yeah, just play it. If one of those comes buttons you. that you can buy. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> It, but next to me side play yeah. <laughs> with me like, with yeah. me, me uh, bread roll um but yes and the, i i just wanted to bring up the other one go on it's a celebration have just one oh that's a hard yeah. one i mean that's one thing I, I know a mate of mine started drinking and given up for like two years started drinking at our wedding and thought she'd just have one mm-hmm. and it just deteriorated she only did actually have one at the wedding but the next wedding she went to yes. she had two even a year later, she had three and then, you know, then she's drinking again. Yeah. It can be like a very slippery slope. And and that's a hard one. Go on, it's a celebration. For me, there was never any elbow twisting. Like if someone says go on back in the day when I was probably hung over and said I'm not drinking today, someone said go on, it's a celebration, it's someone's birthday, I would have been, yeah, right then. Halfway down the bottle. Halfway down, you know. <laughs> Especially Eurovision or Christmas or yeah, those totally. big events where booze is so prevalent. I could never, ever say no. And so, yeah, it's really hard to get used to saying no, but you'll get there. And, and I think the people and- who say things like, oh, go on, just have one, or it's the celebration, 
they don't have a problem. So you can't really blame them for saying yes. it because they don't understand that for big drinkers like us, where we, we, we got to a point where we were just drinking way too much and it was affecting our lives. If people haven't been there, yeah. they haven't walked in our shoes, then they, they don't mean to make your life difficult by saying it. It's just a genuine sort of, go on, have one. Yeah. They don't realise what that means to somebody who's gone through the effort of giving up. It sounds like a very simple statement, doesn't it? it go does. on, just have one. Yeah. The simplicity of it for them is very, very different than the reality for us. It, totally... it wasn't a simple choice to have one. Me with my hand shaking going, if I have one, will I have two? One isn't enough, two is too many. It, it's not a simple decision for me to drink or not drink. It's huge, which is wherein lie the problem if you know what yes. I mean yeah we're not all the same no in our drinking. we're not all the same yeah. and I think people do respect that a little bit more than they have done in the past I mean perhaps when we were growing up in England in the mid 90s if someone had said I'm not drinking tonight oh you would have got yeah. a hard time but I think now things are changing a they little are. bit, and people are a bit more respectful of, of people's choices yeah and I think people are stopping drinking younger and younger as well yeah um, you met some people the other day didn't you who are in their 20s yes giving I met up, some, and we yeah. were saying we would Never, it hadn't even crossed our minds to give no. up in our 20s. I mean, why would you? I mean, I could have never imagined giving up yeah. in my 20s. That was my whole life was going out and drinking. It, it and was me as age. well, yeah. Which is a shame, I guess. I missed out on a lot. Mm. I missed out on on all, I missed out on everything, even though I thought I was involved in everything and the centre of attention mm. of everything. I was actually missing out because I was, you know, oh. so inebriated. Well, partying the was the be all and end all. And that's all very well when you're in your teens, in your early 20s. But there comes a point. I think we just stopped about 15 years too late, yeah. didn't we, Vic? But uh, <laughs> we did, yeah. look, so I just want to, this is more a question that I've got for you, because it's not something that I've really had to deal with. But sometimes, occasionally, people can actually give you a really hard time, be quite nasty about your decision not to drink. And I'm a single mum blogger, so I don't really have, I don't really talk about my sobriety online. This is the only space where I share it on this podcast. But you, Vicky, you, you're you a, a sobriety blogger and you're out there. Your, your name's out there and people people are really relating to you when it comes to drinking. Some are, you're, I think. <laughs> you're going to be famous because you were such a massive pisshead. Yeah, you're famous. <laughs> I know, it's terrible, isn't it? Oh, my parents made my but, parents proud. Uh, <laughs> famous for being a pisshead. I mean, I was famous for being a pisshead in the town where I lived. Uh, and now you've made yourself famous for I being know. a pisshead all over Instagram. I know. But Gross. what comes with that is also a negativity because I get it in my line of work with single mums. People have always got something negative to say. Have you had any really difficult moments when people have been unkind? Well, because I'm really overexposing myself, like I'm really putting myself out there and being totally honest about what it's like being, you know, a binge drinking parent and what it's like to be sober, it can rub people up the wrong way. And also a lot of the things I found is that people want the drama. And actually my drinking story doesn't have the drama. So I find when I'm doing interviews and things, I, I think mm. I did one for, I think it was That's Life magazine. They wanted me to be, they wanted me to tell the story as if I was a serious alcoholic. And for some people, maybe I am. But for me, there is no drama in my story. Mm. It's just me over drinking, making a bit of a tit out of myself. I'm a very, very normal drinker, a very ordinary social binge drinker, like, you know, everybody I know. So therefore, 
it rubs people up the wrong way because some people I can be not alcoholic enough and some people it's too much. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy, but they're being so exposed. It it does attract attention from people. I have had a few horrible emails, people saying you, you know, you alcoholic mother and you should never have had children. And I remember that. That That's really upsetting. I do find it upsetting. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know why, because Obviously, that's just someone sat behind a computer who's feeling down that day. And actually, I feel quite sorry for people mm. that that would spend time being horrible to somebody they don't know. It mm. seems like a very strange thing to do. But it does upset me when people are horrible because obviously all all you and I are trying to do is to help people. That's yes, all we exactly. want to do is tell our story. That really is my purpose is to tell people and, and help people and let everyone know that it's okay to question your drinking and it's okay to reach out for help, which is always our message, Lucy, isn't it? It is. And, and also just to admit sometimes it's almost, it's a bit like a confessional when you say, talk about some of the really horrific things you did when you were a drinker and they are just so embarrassing to have to recall but to say them out loud, even just to you, Vicky, when we're driving in the car or something, but certainly on a podcast, if somebody can listen in and think, oh, my God, I've done things like that, yeah. I'm not alone. And if I mean, she can get sober, then I can. Then it makes those awful things that we did in our past yeah. worthwhile because we're using them to help other people. And also, I think by talking about those things, I'm very happy to tell you all the horrible stories yeah. and all the you know horrible one night stands and all the horrible stuff I got up to. Because that is not the person I am. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't represent me. That's a really drunk, insane version of me, which, which is is not this sober, half together person. I mean, I'm <laughs> st- I'm not perfect. I'm still a shit mum, and I make. I mean, I always tell the story of because people on on these podcasts and things ask me like, you know, how is it being this sober mum? And I think they want me to say, yeah, I'm amazing. I'm brilliant. I'm like a perfect person with the right wraps and paleo snacks and all that rubbish. Actually, I'm not. I'm still a shit parent and I still, you know, shout at my children. And, you know, the other day I sent my child to school with a, a pound of cheese in their lunch pack instead of their lunch. Oh, how funny. I got a phone yes. call from the school to say uh, your child has oh. a pound of cheese in their lunchbox. <laughs> I just said they like cheese. And I was only joking, of course, but the lady didn't get didn't it. Didn't find it funny. No. Well, I have to admit, I once, um, and I and I was drunk most of the time when I was bringing up my kids, um, I once sent one of mine to school with an empty lunchbox. That's <laughs> very I got sad. the phone call from the school. Oh, God. I had to nip down to the bakery and buy a pie and run it in. <laughs> I was like, sort of like that Jamie Oliver thing where you used to shove, oh, shoving the food through the school fence. Yeah, you're like, you're going back. <laughs> Mackie D's, love. McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> mum forgot to put the lunch in the packed lunchbox. But yeah, so yeah, there's certainly no perfection here. Yeah, um, at all. But yeah, so, but we do overexpose ourselves mm. in this podcast and we don't mind. So no. as long as you don't judge us out there, we're all right with it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, everyone judges. So, you know, we're putting Whatever. ourselves out. Yeah, just don't Whatever, we don't want to hear. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, okay, so like, let's just, um, well, I think it's been a really good chat, actually. It's yeah. helped me. It's helped me. I feel better about Saturday night. Good. So we've got a few tips that we just want to run through for people listening because just to sort of clarify what we've talked about and give people something to take away from the podcast. Do you want to do yeah, the first so, one? Yeah, perfect. Getting your sobriety out there to friends and family is hard. Hard because you're not the person they knew and they think you won't be as funny anymore. It will take time for people to get to know this less dribbly version of you, but keep at it. And the benefits of sober living will elbow the old you out of the way. People will get used to it. And if they love you, they will understand your reasons why. 
Yeah, I love that. Um, and just remember that people can't help saying stupid things. I'm saying them all the time. In fact, yeah. I've probably said quite a few in this podcast. Um, but have a few lines on hand to shut them up and it won't be long before you'll be so happy in your sobriety that you won't feel it necessary to even answer. Remember, your drinking is nobody's business but your own. Yeah, and you, you're welcome to use my little yeah. line there if you want to, everybody. Yeah. My, We might get some little branded buttons. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, so give yourself pats on the back. Instead of focusing on all the things you miss about social drinking, concentrate on what sober life gives you. The blissful early mornings with no headaches, the truer friendships and relationships, and a life free from the chaos that alcohol created. And remember that the more we're open about this sobriety thing, the more chance we have of helping others who are struggling. Vicky and I have both found the more we talk, the more we heal. And we do talk quite a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So we're healing fast here. (laughs) Uh, So don't be scared about being open. Learning to just be you with no social mask is a huge part of this ziggy zaggy journey. So even though those first few outings can feel awfully hard and terribly awkward, they are making you stronger. These baby steps into sober socialising will boost your confidence and relieve a lot of stress. Knowing you're not going to make a fool of yourself for once, have a hangover or wake up with a stranger in your bed is deeply satisfying. Don't know about that. I don't mind the odd stranger. <laughs> I'm in the bed. There are a good few, few good ones along the yeah, way. I, I think. Know. I mean, it is nice having the cat in the bed, but every now and then, <laughs> I wouldn't mind another human. I'd rather go home with a box of limbles, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I <laughs> have would you got as any well. limbles, Lucy? I might have some in the car. Should we go to the garage? Yeah, let's yeah, go to the garage. All right. Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time for you to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist or connect with a local AA or sobriety group. In fact, Vicky's got a really great one. Yeah, it's the Sober Social for Sober Curious Women. You can just search for that on Facebook. Lucy and I will both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, then you can too. For more support around sobriety, head to my website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstalkmums.com.au. Finally, if you've loved the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, give a review and share it with your mates. But don't worry, we won't be angry if you don't. I might be a bit angry, Lucy. Can't say that. They won't mind. No, it's just rude. Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room 
where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. As you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Are there there bad bookstores? Probably ones with moody moody sellers. Oh yeah, really depressed librarian folk. Yes, yes, yes. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. (laughs) You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. (laughs) 